Yeah, so now we are live. Let's kick this thing off. And today I chose not to let anything win, but my drive to get me to the top. What to do, KTTV? This is KT, and I'm coming at you live with another episode of the Daily K Podcast. And on this Wellness Wednesday episode, I have educator, and we're not going to forget the entrepreneur piece, Miss Ariadne Pollitt. Hey, hey y'all. How Look. are y'all? I hope everyone had a great day today. Look, are you, are you excited that I didn't say Ariadne? I'm so Thankful that you pronounced my name correctly. <laughs> Praise God for the small victories. Hey, look, y'all know how y'all had them friends who uh every time they just 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 cuz like I say that's what I've been saying. But you know we're gonna be we're gonna be right and pumped. Now we gotta get ourselves together. <laughs> Thank you for getting it together. I appreciate it. So now wellness Wednesday episode. Um, how are you first as we jump into that? Because wellness Wednesday is all about checking in. So how are you and how have you been staying safe throughout this pandemic, Miss Ariadne? I'm great. Um, you know, allergies, of course, are always around. Um, they still do exist. Yeah. Uh, you know, because right now COVID is everything. Like we don't have flu and colds. But um, no, I'm doing great. I am prospering in every aspect. And so I'm... Um, I'm grateful and I'm blessed. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, as we go through the pandemic and we look at, um, man, the, the death that happened, uh, you know, you, you always say RIP uh, and, and you feel that because you don't want anybody to lose. You know, but then you think about this still the flu. Uh, but but that time that we had to kind of simply sit with ourselves, put ourselves on another path. Um, was also good, and I know you did some things inside of that too. So uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a few minutes. <laughs> so, uh, but jumping back tonight. So tonight is all about overcoming anxiety. We're talking about deficits um, and anything else that we may believe is holding us back. And so, as we talk about your journey, uh, when I think about anxiety, I think about that test taking because we know that was that struggle, right? So. <laughs> Before we even get there, let's back up and, and talk about just even why that became an issue. So as we learned a little bit more about you, give us the background on the day you said education is for me. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty funny because when I was younger, first off, my mom and my aunt are both educators. Mm. Um, and when I was younger, I was asked by one of her coworkers what I would be when I grew up. And I apparently I told her I wasn't going to be a teacher like her because y'all didn't make any money. That's oh, apparently yeah. what I said. But now look where I'm at now. Um, but getting into education was always kind of a toss up. Um, medicine and medical is always my first love. Everything I did through high school um, was all about medicine. I wanted to be a pediatrician since I could remember. Yeah. Um, and as I got older and I start, started to be around 
younger kids and especially like once I got to high school and then graduated when I got to college, um, I had an encounter um, at good old TSU and the kids from across in um, the neighborhood across the street came over to get on the computers and do some things. And one of the professors had asked, it was a group of them, about nine or 10 of them, and asked them, you know, what do they want to be when they get older? And the boys gave the generic answers, you know, I want to be in the NFL, I want to be in the NBA. Um, and the girls, of course, were like a doctor, a lawyer, things of that nature. Yeah. But when I heard the boys say that, it really stuck to me because the professor then asked them, you know, well, what if something happens? Then what are you going to do? Or what if you don't make it? And they didn't have another answer. They didn't have that other option. And at that point in time, I just realized if they're not going to get it being at home, then somebody's got to give it to them that, yes, have that dream, have that aspiration, but you got to have a backup plan. Not everybody is Michael Jordan. Not everybody is Emmitt Smith and all the other players that have played in these amazing sports. And so it's the thing is, is what do you do outside of that? Where do you go? You know, you need some basic skills. You at least need the basic skill of reading and the basic skill of math to do anything, whether that is being an entrepreneur or to working for someone. Um, and so that was really the switch that made me just say, you know what, let me go into education because either way I was going to be helping kids. I was either going to yeah. help them get better for a short period of time or give them something and implant something in them that could help them for their life. Yeah, that's that's what yeah. I meant with it too. Like, um, man, that 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 basketball player had to go to elementary school first. Right. So I'm trying to understand how on the back end, I'm not getting as much money as that. Hey, <laughs> the doctor had to go to school, too. That's what I'm saying. So wait a minute now. <laughs> so then um, awesome story. So now thinking about the people that prepare for these certification exams, because I, I, I really want to hone in on that because I, uh, I had a teacher. Uh, matter of fact, shout out to Miss Carter for that burrito today. But uh, you know, she struggled uh, with that test, right? And so then she ended up going through the relay program, kind of coming back. And, oh, uh, man, you know, she first year kinder teacher as we speak, you know, and I had her on uh, to simply talk about that struggle of going through that prayer because um, we're talking about, like, years in between from, from first taking the test to finally passing that thing. So uh, as you began to take that test, um, after being unsuccessful that first time, like, what was your mindset? So my thing is, is one, I've never been a quitter. Mm -hmm. That's that's just innate, this innately in me. I've never been a quitter. I've never been one to throw in the towel. I've never, that's just never, never been an option for me. Um, I already knew that I had something stacked against me, mm -hmm. meaning that in third grade, I was, diagnosed with having um, dyslexia and a lot of my teachers didn't believe it because I could speak well, I could write well. Um, I had the intelligence, but when it came to reading and when it came to test taking, it was a struggle. Yeah. Um, 
So I knew that I had that stacked against me, but at the same time, I had my own drive and my own determination to say that I wasn't going to let something, something defeat me. Like that's, that's just not, that's not who I am. It's not how I'm built. Yeah. That's, that's not how I'm built at all. Um, so it was a little rocky when I took it and I didn't pass it the first time. And then I took it again and didn't pass it, took it again, didn't pass it. And by like the fourth time, the state was changing the recommendations and they were changing the test. And I was just like, Lord, like, you know, what do I do? Like I, at the same time, God had already blessed me in so many other ways. I was teaching. Um, I was educating students. Everyone saw in me what was already there and the skill set that I already had to do the job in which I am currently doing now. Um, and I've been blessed to have supervisors who have not only seen it in me and have backed me up every step of the way in <laughs> promoting me along the way. Um, but it was still something in my mind. And I was just like, I got to get this done. Yeah. Not just for the simple fact that without having it, I would be kind of in a cage and I don't like to be in a cage. Cages are not my thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew in order for me to really get where I wanted to go, I would have to get it done, whether it was now or later. Yeah. Um, and so once the state changed the standards and changed other requirements, I was just like, geez, like, what do I do? I knew I was good in reading, but I knew my, my downfall was math. I knew it. Like math just wasn't my forte. Um, and the test at the time that I was trying to get through was EC through six. So you're testing me on everything from early childhood to sixth grade. Amen. And I'm like, Lord, like I scored phenomenal. I had a passing score on the reading language arts portion. I was six, seven points away on math, was one or two points away on science, and I passed social studies and fine arts. Yeah. And I was like, man, and I, it kept doing the same thing over and over and over. And I'm like, okay. So I'm going to switch my set. And I was like, Lord, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to teach everything else. Maybe mm -hmm. my skill set is supposed to be strictly honed in on reading. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm supposed to be because I really, truly, wholeheartedly believe that God's trying to tell me you know, you have dyslexia, which means those kids that are in the classroom who struggle in reading and nobody else can get to them because they don't know how to design the material to be effective for that particular type of child or for that child that has ADD or ADHD or has another type of LD, then for that set of children, this is what you have to do. This is your journey. This is what you need to do. Yeah. So then I switched my focus, got into an alternative certification program, even though I already had my degree from yeah. the Prairie View A&M University. Hold up, hold up. In the College of Education. 
um, interdisciplinary studies, I already had that degree. Yeah. Um, but I went ahead and I put myself in an alternative certification program because I knew I needed to switch my test and I couldn't switch it being at Prairie View. So and now, so but, switched it. but this is what I wanted to know though. Like when you did that, so even before then, I, I want to back up and go like to test, to test too, right? So yeah. thinking about that anxiety um, and, and then after that, what was it like even just driving onto the site and, and just getting ready, you know, as you go in and you're being like, okay, even by test three, like when we think about that anxiety, how did you manage that? Just driving in on that site and then as you're going to take this test, especially even by the time now that you pass, like what did you do in between? Um, Honestly, my faith, that's, that's what it was like. Yes, I had my own drive. I had all of those things, but my faith at the end of the day is what got me through. Yeah. Because every day, I would, every time I would pull up to a testing center, no matter what test number I was getting ready to take, I said, God, if it's for me, it's for me. If it's not for me, it's not for me. And at some point in time, if this is the journey and the story I'm supposed to have, it will happen. Mm -hmm. It may not. Ha and I had to sit with that and say to myself, you're just not ready yet for whatever reason, whatever it's supposed to be. Maybe it's supposed to be you're supposed to have more experience. Maybe you are supposed to be in areas in in rooms that you don't know you're supposed to be in yet. But maybe you need to be in those rooms and sit back and wait and listen and pick up all the knowledge you can pick up. And when it's time for you you'll get there. You'll pass it. I had to have that talk with myself many, many times yeah. to say, Lord, if this is what I'm supposed to do, you'll make it happen. And I had to give it to him because if I kept stressing about it, I'm going to make myself sick. At some points, I started looking in other fields. I was like, okay, well, maybe I can go to the oil and gas field and go be a trainer. Started looking at that. I kept getting denied, kept getting denied. But every time, whether I updated my resume or did something on LinkedIn, I immediately got a message from a school or a principal or somebody reaching out. Or it was a random text from um, a colleague I maybe had a couple years back. And they would say, hey, we have a job opening. Go ahead and apply. I'm going to do this, that, and the third. And it was like, okay, so education is where I'm supposed to be. So let me just sit back. And it may take a while. But I got to sit in it and I got to ride this journey for whatever it is. Mm. And a lot of people don't know, but but just going through that, uh, you were able to to bring in the paperwork and still get those testing accommodations, correct? Yes. Yeah. So. So, so yeah. Talk to us about that process. And, and how did you even like just go through that for somebody who doesn't know that they can? So it goes way back before it goes back to like elementary school. Yeah. Um, I had a parent, my mom, even as an educator, was in denial that her little girl was dyslexic. Mm -hmm. um, and so that she, once she finally got everything done, got the testing done, I had my paperwork, she immediately put me in tutors. Mm -hmm. I had three or four tutors that I went to every single day after I got out of school. It was routine. Mm -hmm. And 
I definitely commend her for making that decision once she finally had that aha moment. Okay, it's here. I got to deal with it. It's not going anywhere. Um, and moving through school, once I was able to say and voice what I needed and what I didn't need, mm-hmm. I was the type of person, just intrinsic motivation for myself. I would tell my teachers, look, I don't want the accommodations right now. If I feel like I need them, because whatever the assignment is, I may feel like I need that extra time or I need the ability for there only to be two or three answers because everything else is giving me too much anxiety and I'm not able to focus and hone in on the information that I know. Then I would ask for those accommodations. But I always first tried it without having any accommodations. Mm-hmm. Always. That's just how I operated. Um, so for those parents who are having issues and struggling and trying to figure out, you know, do I get my child tested? Do I do this? Do I do that? For starters, you're never going to harm a child when you get them tested. Mm-hmm. It's never going to hurt. It's either going to come out and they're going to say, yes, your child has a learning disability or no, they don't. Um, Depending on the severity of the learning disability, your child will either be considered to be SPED or they will be under the 504 umbrella. Mm -hmm. I was under the 504 umbrella. Mm -hmm. Nobody other than my teachers in administration outside of my mother knew that I had that particular title. Um, I still was kind of popular in school. Mm -hmm. I still did activities. I still did everything that a normal child would do. So the stigma behind, you know, I don't want my child to be labeled. They're only going to be labeled if you make it a big deal. If you make it a big deal, they're going to be labeled. If you don't make it a big deal and you say, hey, this is something we're going to work through. Your teachers are going to work with you. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to do whatever I need to do outside of school. Then, yes, it's going to take more work. Your child depending on who they are. I was an independent person. That's how my mother raised me. I would come home. I would do my own homework. I would have her check it. I didn't need to have my mom sit there with me and and go over it with me. That's how I was. But you know your own child. And if you know that your child's not the type of child to sit there and do their work on their own, then yeah, you may have to sit there with them. It's okay. Sacrifice those 30 minutes or 40 minutes. Sit there. That's your bonding time with your child to one, not only know what they're doing in school, but to know how well they're doing. And if they even understand anything that happened that day in school. And so then when you, but like I say, how did that transfer to um, getting those on the test? So how many times did you take it before you got the accommodation? So actually, praise God, I didn't even use my accommodation. Okay. Okay. I did it. Um, But moving through school, even through college, Mm -hmm. so your paperwork goes with you Mm -hmm. all the way. So when I got to Prairie View, I knew that um, I had to talk to a couple people, but there is um, student services. And in student services, if you have a child that has a learning disability or anything like that, and they're available at any university or college, that's where you would go. You would hand them your paperwork. They keep your paperwork in a file. They send you an email or they can give you a paper copy of whatever your accommodations are. And you as a student, it's up to you to take that to your professors. And that's what I did. Um, And the crazy thing is, is I didn't learn how I learned until I got to Prairie View. 
that's the crazy thing because my freshman year, I had a biology teacher. I cannot remember her name to save my life, but she was dyslexic herself. So she knew what to do when it came to her students that were dyslexic or had a learning disability. So our notes were on colored paper. Yeah. Um, our notes were fill in the blank, but they went along with the book and the chapter. So if you mm -hmm. read the chapter, you had the words that you needed to fill in. Um, so I did also, right before they changed the test, the state test, I had called um, to find out, you know, what do I need to do to get these accommodations on the test should I need them? And they're like, hey, you know, you'll have to fax in your paperwork. Um, and once your paperwork gets faxed in, we'll review it, we'll go over it, and then we can apply it. We can give you your accommodations. However, because a good old Dr. Booker at Prairie View A&M University and the amount of rigor and rote repetition that she did in her class, I didn't need them because yeah. once I realized what direction and what tests I needed to take, I had all the answers I needed yeah. already inside of me. So I knew, and that's when the switch came. I switched from mm -hmm. EC through six to four through eight ELAR because I knew not just from my professor, but also through the years of teaching I had already had under my belt working and teaching just in ELAR, English language arts and reading, that I knew I could pass it. It didn't, I didn't have a second guess. Mm -hmm. I went in there, took it the first time, came out, I got my scores three days later, I passed it. Yeah. I didn't use any of my accommodations. But now, but when, when, when you did it though, like how did they, uh, like still, how long did it take? But did you, cause you took at least one test with the accommodation, right? No. Okay, you did. So then when they said, how did that process go? Did they even call you back to say, I'll put them on now? And if so, yeah, like, so it was an email. It took about three weeks once they got my paperwork. Uh, it took about three weeks for them to go over it. And then they responded and said, hey, we can apply them. And through that process, I myself just was like, you know what? Let me switch because I also mm -hmm. had to weigh the fact that the state had changed it to being five times yeah. that you excuse me, that you could take the test without not being able to take it. Mm -hmm. And so I was on like time four. Okay. And I was like, do I want to chance that? Do I really honestly want to chance it when I know for sure I can go in and pass straight reading? I know I can. So I decided in that moment you know, and I told him, I said, hey, thank you, you know, but I'm not going to do this one. I want to switch it and I'm not going to use the accommodations. Yeah. OK. OK, that's nice. And so, man, uh, wow, that is that is good because I, um, you think about being able to get them. Um, it was awesome that you got them. But then you also think about, like you say, making those small adjustments uh, to get those big results. So even even that small adjustment saying, OK, I'll just focus solely on reading uh because that's where i want to be and so then henceforth you got it done uh yeah. just to go back to your last thing, comment i see ray says uh some parents don't want to test them because they feel embarrassed or sometimes feel in denial uh and there's nothing wrong with my child 
uh, which is so very true uh, as being an educator. You know, you think about those parents uh, and in some cultures uh, it's very big. Like, for instance, they get diagnosed autism and say, no, um, uh, they'll outgrow it. So let's not do this. And so I think being able to inform ourselves, uh, but also being able to be here and you know, listen to like testimonies of, OK, I did this. But even after the label, whether it's 504 or SPED, I was able to overcome. You know, so just awesome work on that. Yeah. So now, um, even, uh -huh. even going to, like I said, I mean, my mom was embarrassed. It took her third, fourth grade for her to get me tested. It took some years. And even through those summers, her one of her main things was she was an educator. She'd been teaching for over 30 some odd years. I was now in the district that she had been teaching in. I was her child. And the biggest stigma is how are you a teacher and your child can't read? Mm -hmm. She didn't want like it. That is the worst yeah. thing. The worst thing. Um, so it was there. Yeah. But she also knew, like, I know that my child is too intelligent, so something has to be stopping her. Something's there's got to be a block somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it took my aunt having to really talk to her to say, you, you need to get her tested. Mm -hmm. And it, it has to happen. I mean, I got spankings for not being able to read. Like, yeah. things that I couldn't control and that's what it was, but it had nothing to do with me not wanting to. It's because it was difficult. Yeah. And at that time, nobody knew the skills and the tools to give me to get what I needed to get in order to get a task of reading done. So now here we go. We go into our first reading only test. We get ready to pull up. Remember, we already have been through this. We we know the outcome. We got this false evidence appearing real. Talk to us through that process. Like, how was how was the pull up? Did you go through the same ritual? What happened? Um, I kind of zone in. Mm -hmm. My ritual was a little different, but for the two weeks leading up, um, I was studying. Certified teacher, I couldn't tell you. How many hours a day? Yeah. Um, and I wasn't really studying because I would pass all the individual sections. I would I continue to pass the test. I did all of those things. Um, but every morning I woke up, it was God. If one, you didn't bring me this far, mm. I haven't been teaching for seven years for no reason. Yeah. Like you didn't bring me this far to allow me to go in here and take this test and I'll pass. You, that's not that's not how you operate and that's not how I know you to be. Um, and I was jamming gospel every day, pulling up to work, pulling up to the school, I was jamming gospel, pulling up in the parking lot to take the test. It was gospel music. I mean, my faith got me and drove me through every bit of this journey. Um, because literally by state standards, I shouldn't have mm -hmm. a seven year span in teaching under my belt already. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be there. Mm 
But when God knows what you're doing and it's his plan, he's going to align you and put you in positions that you didn't even know were possible for you to have and for you to be a part of. So having that, I went in to the test that morning and I said, here we are. I know that I know this. I said, Lord, give me the ability to answer the questions that you know that I already know. Yeah. Allow me to prove not only to myself, but to the state of Texas that I know what I'm talking about. And I've been knowing what I'm talking about for years. One shot. And that's all it is. And yeah. grant me the peace and the serenity to be okay. Yeah. Take away my anxiety, take away my hesitations, take away my second guessing, because I am the worst person <laughs> about second guessing myself and about being the hardest on me. Mm-hmm. So those things, and I just said again, Jesus, if it's for me, it's for me. Yeah. If it's not for me, it's not for me at this time. Do something different. Yeah. Man, but you did that, though. And so, yeah. and, and, and thinking about that, uh, as, as we get ready to close it out, I and I asked Miss Carter this the same thing as she went through, um, you know, just taking that test and going through. And now, so now she's like on the way to a master's degree. For the people who say, man, this is not for me. This is not what I should be doing. Like, just directly speaking to them people right now, what do you say? What does your heart say? What does your heart say? Like, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is where I'm supposed to be. Because there's no greater feeling for me than when I have kids in my small groups that come to me not knowing, don't know their letter sound association. They don't know all of their alphabets. They don't know their sight words. And I get halfway through the semester and you know half, if not more, than what you didn't know when you got to me. That in and of itself for me is more than than money can buy. Mm -hmm. That is greater. And now being in the position to give those skills and those tools and coach teachers to be the best version of them in their field as possible, mm-hmm. because I know it's a ref- it reflects off of the kids that the teachers have now honed in on this skill and can now do it in the classroom that that's everything to me. I could trade in my paycheck. Boy, let me not say that because I need a paycheck too. Hey, hey. Um, but at the end of the day, that's that's my drive. That's my passion. That's why mm. I do it. Yeah, I can dig that, man. All right. Well, I think um, I you know I, I think that this conversation was good. Uh, to just kind of hear that story of perseverance. Um, and then, you know, just thinking about that anxiety, like you say, man, that mental anxiety will take you out of so many arenas, right? Just not thinking about um, what's happening in the moment, but thinking about the what ifs on the other side of that. So 
Man, that was good. Let's see what Ray say. When the students get it, that's the best feeling as a teacher. It is priceless. Definitely priceless. <laughs> yes. All right. So then what's next? Well, I started my doctoral program in August yeah. at HBU. Mm -hmm. Um I just got promoted to a coach. Yeah. So I'm now coaching educators. Yeah. Um, so all of those things, when I look back and the fact that I was told in fourth grade that I probably wouldn't make it past fourth grade. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my why. So when I say my why is greater, and like uh ET says, you cannot outwork me. You will yeah. not outwork me. Yeah. It won't happen. Um so those are the things that are coming. Um, I'm excited to get back in school. Um, I love learning. Uh, if I could be a student forever, probably would be. Um, that's just, that's me. I love learning. I love teaching. I love giving that information to others. Um, that is a big part of me. Yeah. That's it, man. Well, look, I sure appreciate you for... Uh coming in, taking some time out to talk about the the hustle, uh, the journey, uh, you know, and, and to give somebody else out there who uh, is in that position just a little bit of more reason to push on because it's greater, uh, just a little bit ahead. I always tell people it only takes one decision, right? You can go for years and never get that, that breakthrough, and then that one day it happens uh, because life changes just that fast, you know, so – Man, thank you for that today, Ms. Pilot. You are welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I appreciate it. I hope that I have inspired at least one person. Yeah. Or if there's a parent out there who's struggling with the decision of getting their child tested or not, do it. It's not going to yeah. hurt them. If anything, it will give you the answers you want, and it will allow you to be able to get the combinations and things needed for your child to be successful at the end of the day as educators we want every child to be successful no matter what that looks like but if your child needs certain things allow them to get those things as an educate as an educator we do go above and beyond but sometimes we have limitations on how much we're able to do so if your child needs extra time but when I say the time is up at 20 minutes and little Johnny would be successful if he had 35 minutes, mm. the only way to get him that extra time is through testing. If I give a test and that test is 25 questions, but in order for him to be successful, he needs 10. The only way for me to give him those 10 instead of 25 is if he's tested and he has something covering him. That's it. Yeah. Otherwise, he's going to suffer. He or she is going to suffer through school because they're not getting what they want. And then you have behavior problems and you get disruptions and you get people that drop out because it has now been overlooked all because mom or dad was like, no, there's nothing wrong with him. He just doesn't do it or she doesn't do it or they're not putting enough work in or enough energy in or enough effort. That's not always the case. Or maybe they're too hyper and can't sit down enough or long enough to get the lesson. I'm not saying medicine is always the answer by any means, but there are other avenues and things to do to try before 
you either don't get anything done or you just say, you know what, it is what it is. I'm going to let yeah. the school deal with it. Yeah, that's it then. All right. Well, thank you for dropping that knowledge on us today. Like I say, yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. That's it. All right, y'all. This is KT for KTTV signing out. 100. This is Darnell Broadcast Houston. This is Dr. Tamara Beckford. Hey, this is Candace. This is Linda Underwood. This is Kirsten Bass with Inner City Greens, and you're watching. Y'all are now tuned in to KTTV. 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 Is that right?